All right, welcome to the virtual roundtable, Creating Raving Fans, Member Engagement Strategies, presented by Listen360. Listen360 helps more than 5,000 fitness clubs and studios perfect their member experience through perfectly timed surveys, robust feedback analysis, real-time retention workflows, and five-star review generation. Visit the Listen360 virtual booth or listen360.com to learn more. Thank you, Listen360, for being a part of the 2021 Club Solutions Connect virtual event. All right, Karen, take it away. Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. We're so excited. Um, so we have an exciting panel today uh, creating raving fans with Katie Bossy, Senior Business Manager at Listen360. Thank you, Katie, for sponsoring this. Uh, Rich Novelli, who's General Manager at High Point Sport and Wellness. Uh, we have Mark Miller, our COO of Merit Clubs. Mindy Bridges, she's the Chief Brand and Marketing Officer of Vasa Fitness, and then Matt Wright, partner at Fort Athletic Club. So guys, let's go um, around, and if you could share a little bit about yourself and about um, your club, where you're located at, and what type of facility are you with. Um, let's start off with Matt. Of course. Uh, so I actually just uh, made a pretty big transition. So I was with City Fitness in Philadelphia as their vice president of personal training and programming up until really the beginning of December. Uh, I recently signed on to a brand new partnership and club that's being built here uh, in central New Jersey in Monmouth. Oddly enough, from where I live, it's 0.4 in that direction, so I can see it off in the distance, but I've uh, been in the industry now for, I don't know, whenever I got out of college, started as a trainer and then kind of worked my way through the ranks very fortunately, but Brand new 50,000 square foot multi-purpose facility, uh, very family-centric driven. Uh, my boss likes to say that it's YMCA meets the Ritz-Carlton. Um, so we're really excited to bring sort of a high-end fitness platform to this area. Um, we're really, uh, we don't have anything similar like it. So really excited and honestly just honored to be here with everybody who's on this round table. So thank you so much, Karen. Well, thank you, Matt. Um, Mindy? Sure. Sure, I'm Mindy Bridges. I'm the Chief Brand and Marketing Officer for Vasa Fitness. I am based in Denver, Colorado. Um, we have we are a high value, low price, um, big box gym, uh, full service amenities, and we currently operate 45 clubs in six states. Um, and I lead six functional teams within the organization. Um, and those are fitness, marketing, PR, IT, club design, and retail. Wow, all right, busy. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to meet all of you. I haven't, I've never uh, met anybody on the panel, so it's not really nice to be a part of it. Yeah, thank you. Um, Rich? Um, my name is Rich Novelli. Uh, I am the general manager at Wellbridge uh, Athletic Clubs. Uh, our brand here in New Mexico is called Sports and Wellness. Um, I'm an industry veteran, been in the industry for over 35 years and have had the privilege of working in a variety of models across the country uh, during my tenure. Uh, Wellbridge is a, 19 clubs uh, that are really focused on upscale, customer-centric type of model. Um, I'm very privileged to be here. We work very hard on creating raving fans, so I think that this topic is very appropriate for my background. Wonderful, thank you. Uh, Mark? Uh, Mark Miller. I'm the Chief Operating Officer at Merit Clubs. Uh, we have nine locations in the uh, Baltimore, Maryland area. And then we have a management and consulting division where we um, manage outdoor corporate centers, uh, outdoor pools, consulting work in the industry and all that, um, as well as a um, new wellness division. And then in addition to the clubs, I also serve as a Rex Roundtable Chair. Um, and been part of that for the last 20 years. Uh, so all of our clubs are multi-purpose, um, high-end, um, big box types of clubs. Wonderful. And then Excited Katie, to be here. Oh, thank you, thank you. Um, Katie, you're our sponsor. Do you have a few words that you'd like to say? I'd love to. Hi to everybody. Thank you so much for, for attending and thank you to the esteemed panelists that I'm 
joined by today. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, my name is Katie Bossy. I'm the Senior Business Manager for the Health and Fitness Industry at Listen360. We are a net promoter-based feedback platform, and I have the, the real privilege of working with all of our, our fitness clients, about 5,000 clubs and studios, everybody from single locations all the way up to thousands. So I'm very excited to be here, and thank you so much to Club Solutions for having us. Well, great. Well, thank you. So we'll get started right away. Um, first question, and then we'll just go around if every, you know, you guys can volunteer who wants to take it first, is, you know, do you feel that clubs with great customer service and a positive member experience are better able to navigate this crisis as we're, you know, we've gone through it, we're still going through it. You know, how do you feel about that? Who would like to start? I'll, Rich? I'll take it. So I think it's more important than ever. Uh, quite frankly, uh, I think our members are hungry for information. They're hungry for that contact. Uh, I think those clubs that have put themselves in a position to be able to reach out, and I don't necessarily mean by email or text, but really by communications, either in person or by phone, have a distinct advantage in getting through this pandemic. Uh, people want to hear what's going on. It's not necessarily about how soon do we get our masks off. It's more about, you know, make me feel better about coming in, make me feel better about taking care of myself. I think everybody on the panel will agree that mental health is as big, if not a bigger topic now than physical health. And we know that physical exercise has a great impact on one's mental capacity and capabilities. And I don't think a lot of our members understand that. It's our job through communicating well with our members to get that message out. Yeah, I, I agree. I'll, I'll just add to that. I agree with everything um, that you said, Rich, but you know, I think also just the, the brands that are doing this best, I think, you know, in building brand ambassadors um, for their, for their companies, you know, are being authentic to their core values and they're, they are communicating consistently and transparently and, you know, keeping not only members up to date, but also team members so that, the, you know, the experience feels uh, holistic versus, you know, disconnected. Sometimes, you know, it, with, with different brands, whether you're in the fitness industry or a different one, you can put information out or, or communications out about one thing. And then the experience inside the club or the brick and mortar building is different. And so I think the brands that are doing it best right now are connecting that experience and also just leading, I think, with compassion. So let me ask you about that. So do you feel though, um, those brands that are doing that so well that they create, they've already created their raving fans. Like you guys are, you know, experts in this, you know, had they already established that so that when they went into this crisis, do, do you think it helped them navigate this much easier than maybe other brands that did not, you know, do such um, a good job with it or didn't, you know, laser focus on creating raving fans? Yeah. Um, Karen, if I could answer that, I, th I think yes. Um, so, you know, I think the thing that's come out of the pandemic the most has been that, you know, health clubs are not just the, you know, the equipment. It's not just the um, treadmills, the bikes, the classes and all that. It was really about the people. And I think people have come to realize that that community, that socialization, that um, sense of belonging has been more important than anything. And, and that leads to what Rich was saying with regards to the mental health and the mental stress. And I think the clubs that had these raving fans and this member experience prior to that, you know, they're the ones that are going to come out of this a lot stronger because they, they already have that sense of community, that sense of belonging. So those people want to get back to those roots. Um, and, you know, there's a book out there called The Adversity Quotient. They talk about three types of people, the quitters, the climbers, and the campers. And, you know, the people who have that positive outlook, you know, we're going to climb out of this thing. We're going to be stronger. We're going to be better for it. Um, we've adapted. You know, I usually tell my staff we're going to be like bamboo. We're going to bend but never break. Um, and I think that positive experience is not just what they're delivering to their members, but I think it also entails what they've done with their staff during this time. And they've made them very strong. And as a result, it's made the members very strong. So I think they are, you know, it's the difference maker. Yeah, and if I could add to that, I, I do think you hit on a really important topic. It's not just about creating raving fans with our members, but creating raving fans with our associates. I think they have bore the brunt 
of a lot of the mental stress that uh, a lot of our members are experiencing, even when they're coming in the club. So to answer the question, I, I think, yes, uh, clubs that have uh, uh, embraced this early on and created raving fans have an advantage. But I also believe in from bad comes good and that clubs can use this opportunity to pivot, build new relationships. It's never too late to pick up the phone. It's never too late to sit down with people and build those relationships. And I think those clubs that maybe were hesitant to do that for whatever reason now can use this to their advantage to say, let's forge some new relationships. You know, I think if I, can, if I can add real quick is I wholeheartedly agree. I mean, the one note that I had written down here was, you know, you have to have your staff be raving fans before you can expect your members to be raving fans. I, I mean, it's, you know, it's like the prerequisite for you to ever even consider outward what you're doing. Um, and I guess my message to kind of go a little bit of a different route to people is, if you feel like you're a club right now who you don't have enough raving fans, it's never too late to really sort of peel the onion or to, I always say is like regress to make progress is to kind of take that step back and say, all right, well, if I'm really gonna go from a strategic standpoint and map out what my next pathway is going to be, what is it? So, you know, is it going to be how we're bringing our team on first, right? I, I think how are we priming them to be able to deliver these, you know, experiences to the people who are walking through our door? Or, you know, is it something like, did we even take the time to update what our communication strategy looks like when people are coming in? Or is it legit, here's your key tag, we promise we're safe, go enjoy yourself. So, you know, it takes work to create raving fans, but if you don't have your team, you'll never have your members. Yeah, yeah not, I, not a, there's countless studies and, and so much data to support um, employee loyalty as the number one best driver and predictor of, of member loyalty. So both constituencies are so, so important right now. And I think in creating raving associates and raving fans, what we've all learned this year is that adaptation is essential. So I love what you said, Matt, about regress to, to pro progress. Um, one thing that, that has been very obvious to me is that our, our brands, our clients are iterating to innovate. They're testing, they're adapting, they're measuring very strategic changes that they're making and having to make all the time, right? Things are changing constantly. Um, members' perception of what, you know, what great customer service looks like is changing all the time now. And really always has, but you know, at a much more rapid, rapid pace right now. So um, really staying close to both constituencies, really understanding loyalty at the associate and the member level, and then making those, those incremental changes um, based on, on data um, will, will serve to create raving fans on both sides of the house for the long haul. That's great. Um, so just go, moving on. So if people are not, you know, having, do not have the things in place to create it, let's help them out with it. Because from what I'm hearing you guys, it's worth the time, it's worth the energy, and it may be worth a little money to make sure you have you know, raving employees as well as raving fans. So tell us about some specific things that you are doing at your clubs to ensure that positive member experience, like what staff trainings you may be doing um, and how you're building that customer experience into your culture. If you could share some of those things with us. I'll go. Start. Yeah, okay. yeah I, I can start. Um, I agree. You know, I, I love that the conversation sort of turned to how we how we treat our staff and how, you know, obviously we train them and communicate with them. But one of the things that we're doing, you know, up through the executive leader is often and we we have we try to have meaningful conversations with staff at every club. And I think, you know, you we do member surveys as well. So we always want to know you know, how members are feeling, what they want, what they need during these uncertain times and beyond. Um, but I also think you can learn a lot from your club staff um, in just sort of what's happening, uh, what they're dealing with on a daily basis. Um, I think we all know it's not just sort of, you know, dealing with members that may be angry one day about one thing, but, you know, our staff members are also dealing with personal challenges a lot of the times. And so just really, you know, understanding sort of what they're dealing with, and then that helps us, that allows us to make better decisions on how to operate and how to train them and how to communicate and how to give them the tools that they need, you know, to run our clubs the best way possible and give and provide the best member experience. Thank you. Yeah. And, and 
Um, Mindy, I think, you know, you said a key thing there. I think it's the training, you know, like you have, you have to first have the foundation of culture in place and you got to have a culture that actually believes in these things. Um, and it's not just a surface thing. Like it's got to be how you behave. Like, you know, you got to live your values and stuff like that. But then more importantly, you know, we spend, I think, a lot of time training originally on, you know, how to do a sale or how to check someone in at the desk. And I think during this time of the pandemic, we really realized that we needed to train more on the people. Um, you know, we had to talk a lot more about their mindset, their motivations. Um, you know, what are their fears? Um, how does that fear show itself? What are their concerns? And then I think the more important thing is, as organizations, you have to be completely transparent. I mean, 100%, like you have to let them know the financial state you're in, the, you know, what's happening behind the scenes so that they're not making stuff up. But at the same time, you know, they can understand the reason why you're asking them to do certain things, the reason why you're working a certain way or working harder, you know, um, is because you're trying to build a greater future and you're trying to bounce back. And, and, you know, it's that resiliency. And, you know, if you're hiding things from them, then that really just says that you're, you know, you don't have a trusting culture and, you know, that's going to show up in your employees' uh, attitudes. Yeah. I, I you know, from our, my perspective over the years in an, working in a variety of different models, it, the same things hold true. And that is training equals communication, constantly training your staff. But when we talk about culture and when we talk about mission, if you can't break those things down into simple, explainable terms that all of your staff understand, there's no way that they're gonna be able to deliver on that. So what we work on is a program called E3, and it stands for Exceptional Experience Every Day. And it basically breaks down what to us our culture translates into the customer experience. How does culture, how does our mission translate into a customer experience? And so when we say customer experience, we mean associate experience as well as member experience, how we treat each other as well as how we treat our members. And I think Matt said it earlier, if you don't have that basic trust and relationship with your associates, you're never gonna get it with your, with your members. So we focus on the basics. How are we greeting people? How are we communicating, coming and going? How are we reaching out to each other? So we're constantly reinforcing that training through this E3 program that we've set up. And as a result, there's a consistency that comes across not only to our associates, but more importantly to how our members are uh, approached, how they're dealt with, especially during these strange times to make sure that we are connecting in a way that's consistent for them, but at a very high level that is replicable throughout the day, throughout the weeks, throughout the months, uh, for our members. So for us, training equals communication and constant training equals success on the E3 level. The, uh, you know, I'm in a very unique situation right now because I'm employee one of this new project. Uh, um, so I, I mean, I'm writing job descriptions, I'm writing the training development, I'm working with all of our external, you know, marketing or social media design, whatever teams. And as I've researched specific to, you know, the employee topic is, I've always said this, I mean, Mark's probably heard me say this in some of the talks that I've given at URSA or whatever else, but it's like the Apple approach to your teams, meaning Apple doesn't just put you out on the floor and says, hey, you're the Apple watch person or you're the MacBook person, you're the Apple person. And I feel like that's what we need to do in our clubs in order for them to really be uh, professionals and for them to be the go-to people throughout the facility. So you know, ensuring that every time you have somebody on your team that they know everything about the front desk, what you offer, what your, you know, what type of marketing strategies you follow, or if you're getting ready to release a new t-shirt or, you know, what the personal trainers do or what you're now doing from a clean standpoint or, uh, you know, from a mental health, like the list can go on and on. So I think being able to place time and effort into getting them to understand each other's positions works that much better. If you ever think of an organization, it should never work up and down. It should always work left to right. And I think being able to have that flow with one another leads to that. Um, and I think that's where we go back to sort of the creating the raving fans internally, but then also that's going to end up leading to it externally. Uh, another piece that I said that's never been so important is just uh, eyes, teeth, and names is always making sure that they're making eye contact with people, always showing their teeth so that they're showing that they're smiling and trying to collect as many names as possible. 
you know, New Jersey, we are about to increase the 35%. And even if we aren't open, we take that into consideration here in what we're doing. But if we have 35, you know, only 35% capacity, that's a lot less people than a typical flow would be. We can learn a lot more people's names and, you know, sort of increase the relationships that you build with those people. So, you know, I, I joke around, but every gym wants to be the cheers of fitness, right? Everybody knows your name. And, and that's the goal, you know, cliche, not you can call me corny, but you know, you want to feel like, you know, Mark walks in, it's like, Mark, you know, Mindy walks in, Mindy. It's how it should feel. You know, people will go back to places that they feel as though they're comfortable. They feel as though they know people and they feel as though people care about you. That is yeah. Sad. So if I could just add something to that. So Matt, you're hundred percent right. So one of the things that we teach um, is, so we always have a saying we're clean, friendly, and welcoming. It's a CFW for us. But one of the things we try to teach all of our staff to do is to find out people's Ford. You know, what are their families? What are their occupations? What are their recreations? And what are their dreams? I could care less if you tell me, you know, that you work for XYZ business or, you know, that, you know, you're, you're using the club this many times a week or you're thinking about this price. That's not what sells people on memberships. It's the connection and the understanding and getting to know people. So, you know, if our teams are learning, but we should also be learning the Ford out about our our teams and knowing what their families are dealing with, what their occupations are, their spouses and kids, what they want to do recreational wise, what are their dreams? And then we should be linking what we do so that they can do those things. Because at the end of the day, if we're, if they're successful, we're going to be successful and we got to make sure that we're taking care of them. If I can back up, cause I forgot to say this one point and it goes with that is we talked about like the beginning and the training development um, the way that I've written it out and it was successful also at City Fitness is the importance of the after action report and dependent upon the position, how you're having either daily, weekly, monthly, bi-weekly, quarterly, whatever else. So in our new sort of, you know, uh, job roles and responsibilities, everyone goes through some type of AAR minimally, no matter what your position, you'll always have one, at least one a month. Most of the departments are having them once a week. Right. Um, to review so that you're getting the real-time feedback. I mean, you know, I've always been somebody who I, I do not like quarterly reviews. I don't like annual reviews. I mean, you shouldn't need to have that review to be able to provide that person feedback. You know, it's always, you know, it shouldn't be an open door policy. It should be that, you know, you're literally, you know, going there to be able to help those people. So I think that's important is being able to uh, solicit that real-time feedback for people and then hit it right away. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. Sorry, go ahead. Well, that's okay. I was just going to say the same thing. I could not agree more. I think everybody has spoken to um, the importance of really staying in sync in real time all the time with these super important constituencies, employees and um, customers. And I'd love to share, you know, a few ways that our clients have, have kind of adjusted their engagement strategy um, over the past year. Obviously we're, we're a survey tool. We believe in connecting um, and our customers are surveying much more frequently in the past year than they have in the past. They're surveying it at increased touch points um, from first tour through active engagement, through inactive, um, in some cases, engagement and uh, through cancellation. They're asking very specific additional questions relative to the goals that they are working on as an organization. So asking about comfort level with regard to COVID procedures, satisfaction with digital content, especially as that continues to change. Um, cancellation reason was always important, but now we have a new cancellation reason that may you know, generate new workflows and new, new follow-up um, through COVID. Um, clients are analyzing feedback regionally. Um, obviously, especially for multi-location brands with locations all over the country and all over the globe in some cases, um, everything is different everywhere. And, and being able to really understand loyalty and, and values and emotion relative to the experience regionally will allow for a much more personalized um, engagement strategy and communication strategy as well. 
And then finally, they're engaging their staff. We've talked a little bit about this already. It's so important to make feed, member feedback part of the organizational culture, engage the team at every level, make them aware of what's going on, not only so that the whole team can improve the experience that members have, but also so that they feel so good when they see wonderful comments and things that really stand out to people. There, there's a real need to boost morale um, at this point, and I think that is super helpful. And also lots of brands have started in the past year actually asking their staff for feedback. So in addition to these weekly, you know, bi-monthly, bi monthly meetings where you're engaging one-on-one, -on -one, asking for anonymous feedback um, through a survey can be very <laughs> beneficial. Um, in many cases, the brands that we work with, and I, I'm, I'm curious if the same is true for, for you guys, but um, many of them have the cream of the crop at this point. The, the, the staff that they have is, is the top the top of the um, top notch in terms of um, the employee base. So understanding how, what they need, how they're feeling, th that team can be more empowered at that point to help you grow the business back. Um, so just staying, staying in touch, staying engaged at every level. Um, and we're seeing increased engagement, like members are, are more willing and more likely to respond you know, now than ever um, as they are very invested in, in shaping their experience as things change. Yeah, and what, what you're talking about, Katie, is is something that we really impress is, is it measurable? And yeah. getting that kind of feedback and having those measurables are now something that we can work with our staff to show this is, this is why we do what we do. This is the information that we need to adjust, you know, our service uh, platforms, but here are the measurables. So feel good about this. These are things we need to work on but it's not just he said, she said, these are measurable. Um, this is measurable information that we can use to continuously train as well. Yeah, I'll, I, I wanted to just sort of tack onto what everybody's saying. I think the, the idea of feedback and surveys, um, I also think something that, that we've really tried to work to do better on is getting feedback from our team members, um, both in the clubs as well as our corporate office, but making sure that we're giving them transparent feedback, but that we also have a forum for them to do the same. And then committing as a leadership team to be nimble, you know, and make decisions quickly that will impact, you know, the, the folks on the front line and just, you know, so they feel that their voice is heard. And sometimes, you know, we'll, just, we'll say, you know, we're actually not gonna do that, but here's why. And I think, I, I can't remember who was talking about the why, I think it, I can't remember actually who was talking about it, but somebody was talking sort of about giving people the why and it helps get them on board, you know, and enroll people into wanting to, to do sort of what we're asking them to do. Yeah, and Mindy, the key to that is you gotta build within your organizations, you gotta build that psychological safety mm -hmm. so that people know that they can have their voice and that it's, it's almost like radical candor, right? You gotta have a safe yeah. space for people to be able to say, here's what it is, here's the data, and then, you know, sometimes you got to be open to hearing the hard stuff ourselves and uh, 100%. that's how we improve. Yeah. And trust, right. It's just, it's, it's yeah. trusting that, that, you know, letting, letting our teams know that we trust them and they can trust us, but it's also okay to say something that maybe we don't want to hear, but right. that it would help us all improve um, right. to know, because you can't change things you don't know about. And so I, I think everybody on this call, I, I appreciate how everybody's sort of talking about you know, team, team first, and our teams creating a, an excellent member experience based on the way we treat them and the way that we trust them and listen, so. Well, if you live in the Northeast, your teams typically don't have a problem telling you how they feel. Well, <laughs> 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 I'm gonna say. So a couple things, um, I just wanna recap real quick. So I'm hearing a lot about employee engagement to help with member engagement and creating those raving fans, you know, starting just at the employee level. And that, um, you know, if you don't have anything to measure, how do you manage something? How would you manage creating these raving fans if you don't have a way of measuring it? Um, so going to that, um, what tools and technologies are you um, using to help with this? And, you know, to put, put your hand on the pulse of your members experience and what is actually going on at the club level. The surveys, feedbacks, we touched on some of the things, but what, what, what are things that people can like, you know, easily maybe um, start looking into or implement for their teams or their members? 
I, I could start and Katie, don't, don't shoot me. <laughs> um, so we, we use MXM, um, you know, and that helps us operationalize the member's voice, the voice of the customer, but we also use it for our employees. So we have an employee net promoter survey that we do the same thing um, with. And then, you know, so that's one side of it, but the other side of it is we um, hit the ground running, you know, like I hate being in the home offices. So I like to be in the clubs and find out what our staff is thinking. And so yesterday we had a virtual meeting with our entire sales team and we did exactly what Matt was talking about. We did an after action review and we asked them what worked, what should we start doing, stop doing, continue doing, you know, it's their feedback. Um, they're the ones that are in the field. They know more than I do. They're much smarter than me. So, um, you know, I think you got to listen to your frontline employees. You got to get out there. You got to understand what it's like in their trenches. You know, the data is good. That tells one side of the story, but I also think you got to get in there and then just observe, you know, sometimes you just got to watch how things unfold and watch how they flow. And, you know, where are the hiccups? Where are the friction points? How do you make those things better for both your employees and your, and your things? And then you utilize technology. You know, we've, we've adapted our apps. Um, you know, we're trying to add live content now um, so that you can do it live instead of having to go through Facebook through our app because we're finding that it's tough for the instructors when they have three different things going. Um, you know, talk to your companies and see how you can merge things together. And then, you know, the other part of it is it's easy to get over digital and get too much stuff going. And then you're trying to manage too many technology points and you're not really listening. And so I think the key is you got to really just get out there and listen. You know, people are stressed, they're fearful. There's a lot going on in the world of uncertainty today. And you just got to watch their body language, watch how they're engaged and just you know, listen with your ears and listen with your eyes and listen with your gut. Well said. Yeah, I, 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 would, I would speak to a lot of the mom and pop operations that are out there. I think, you know, as much as our industry is growing, much of that growth is still coming from small single owner operators that, you know, don't get overwhelmed by the technology. Start by doing the basics extraordinarily well you know, set out an agenda of, you know, immaculately cleaning your clubs, more important now than ever before. For those clubs that have already been doing that, it's, it's a little easier. But for those that haven't, start with the basics. Again, I've been in this industry a long time. And throughout my travels, you hear the same things. Every day, I hear members talking about how clean the club is. That's important. Why is it important? It creates, it's a sign of respect. It shows our members that we do value them to keep this facility clean. Forget the safety and sanitation issues that we're all dealing with. It's a sign of respect. Secondly, it shows people that we know how to run our business. Um, there's a story from In Search of Excellence. I'm probably dating myself here, Tom Peters. But you know, he tells a story about a passenger on a plane uh, when they're ready to get pull away from the, the gate. He pulls down the service tray and there's a piece of brown lettuce and a coffee stain. And he starts ringing for the attendant saying, I want to get off the plane. And long story short, the attendant says, why do you want to get off the plane? He says, well, if you can't clean that, I know you're not taking care of the engines. So, you know, it's all about perception. It's about the optics on this stuff, but it's about basic things. We sometimes want to jump into these complicated solutions that don't necessarily uh, are aren't necessarily maybe affordable or available right off the bat. So start with the basics, create that, uh, that, that platform where you can communicate what you're doing through basic things and then move from there. But I, I don't think in our history, uh, digital or other technology platforms have been more available to us in this industry than they are right now. And so look into those. There are a lot of solutions to do that, but don't forget the basics. Yeah, I think I think the basics are really important as far as just to share a little bit of sort of the technology that Vasa has been using. You know, we have an app, we built a custom app in 2019. And we were, we were really lucky because of the, the functionality that we built to book classes, we were able to repurpose to book time at the gym and time slots so we could manage capacity, um, you know, sort of during over the past year. Um, but you know, we've also we've also done we've also really focused on our social media strategy and looking at sort of the kinds of content that we're putting out and are we 
Are we bringing the brand to life through our members and our team members and sort of speaking to them in their own voice? And, and the numbers show that, that we are. Um, you know, year over year, we had about a 30% increase in total followers between Facebook wow. and Instagram. And then we had a 66% year over year increase in engagement. Um, and, you know, that's, yeah, you know, and so I was really proud of that. And we, we, we use Sprout um, to sort of manage, manage our social media performance. Um, and then we also have really, really put a lot of effort into sort of um, tracking online reviews and understanding reasons for, you know, four and five stars versus the one, two and three stars. And then we created a process internally where um, the, the woman who manages reviews on my team works with our member services team. Anything that's below a four star um, gets immediate attention and gets pushed to member services. And the goal is to take care of that person within 48 hours and make sure that you know, their, their issue is addressed. And sometimes it can be, and sometimes it can't be. But I think just showing that we care and having the tools to, to everyone's point here, you know, having the tools to, to track that and manage, um, we use Podium for that. Um, but, you know, it, it's just been, it's been very uh, insightful and we've been able to really take the information and, and again, just kind of be nimble and adapt to what it is that we're hearing people want, what they like, what they don't like. Um, and, and continue to try to improve. One, uh, one thing that I had oddly came up with as we're trying to slowly leak out to the public what we're doing here is we're trying to bring uh, focus groups together through Zoom. Um, and then I decided the next thing is like, as we say like, hey, these are some of the things that we're gonna put into our kids zone or you know, we plan to do court, court sports at this time, blah, 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 blah. Um, but we're sending them dinner all from the same restaurant so that it feels like you're all there together since we can't really be together when we want to make it fun. So of course we pick a nice restaurant in the area and say, Hey, let us know what you want. We'll have it all sent to your house around the same time. Um, you know, and, and that's a plan that we're getting ready to implement as we sort of pull these focus groups, we can look at the different groups, you know, when they fill out uh, you know, inquiries saying like what they're interested in, whatever, we've kind of bundled them together and just a handful of them, don't get me wrong, we're not going to spend thousands of dollars on foods for people, but it's a nice way for them to immediately be able to get me all, you know, meet me, excuse me, get to meet the actual owners as, you know, the other owners as well. And some of the, you know, um, instructors who are going to be having on or trainers. So as soon as they end up coming in, they'll have faces, names, and then you know, they can kind of start the domino effect for us from a marketing standpoint, because they can say, wow, my gym sent me dinner and was already telling me and I haven't even paid them yet. Yeah, so. they, they become your best salespeople. So you're mm -hmm. creating ambassadors just through, you know, paying, you know, paying some attention to these people and making them feel heard. I think that's really cool. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm huge on and I think Mindy, you had touched on like the whole you know, your engagement numbers, that's phenomenal. Congratulations. That's, you know, you should really, really be proud of that. I, I think it's, you know, you obviously you leaned in and you went hard and it was the right way. I, I agree to everybody. I, I had said it when I was uh, something else a couple months back and I said, whatever your marketing budget was, double it. And I said, because that's what you start doing at this point. It, it's the truth. Um, and, you know, in some cases, then people might need to triple it and, you know, quadruple. Um, but you have to have that strong, uh, social media sense and you have to drive Instagrammable moments um, you know people now more than ever Richard Ernie who was out at Midtown who's recently changed over to I believe it's Studio One out in Chicago um, the one thing like he told me when they were break, building that juggernaut out in Chicago which was people will remember stories and people will tell you stories and they'll tell other people stories and if you think of what we're sharing for other people to be able to take to their clubs is we're sharing our stories of our successes in our current and successes in our past. So I, I think they all really lend together and it's important to tie that together in this sort of big circle of raving fans. And well, and also just back to sort of your budget, it's also how you spend it, right? Like it's, it's shifting the mix. I mean, we shifted our mix uh, I think we were 83% for six months of 2020, 83% digital, you know, versus the direct mail, the billboards. Um, and you had to be, you had to be able to make that shift because then, you know, 
in addition to that's the best way to communicate, it, or it was at that time, and it continues to be, um, it's also, you know, um, you want to make sure that people feel heard. And if you can't see them in person when your clubs are closed, you know, um, that you have to be able to engage with them, with them in some way. And then digital also allows you to be nimble when times change or capacities go up or, you know, you, you need to shift something because, I mean, we had, we had times where, you know, of our 45 clubs, we'd have 10 that, you know, had to close or had to go down to like 10 people in a 40,000 square foot area. So, you know, um, we had to we had to say, okay, well, I don't know that I want to drive people to that location anymore. So I need to turn off the digital marketing for that market, and then you know pump it into a different market. So, uh, yeah. So I think that the mix has also sort of shifted over time, and I think it will continue to honestly. Well, the people and how they're consuming things are also changing. Right. 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 So we have to learn and adapt every day because, like you said. One minute it's Instagram, the next minute it's Snapchat, and then it's, you know, <laughs> going to be something different. And, you know, if we don't stay nimble, um, like you said, and it just becomes a challenge. Yeah. You sound like such an influencer, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> I got a daughter that teaches me. And, uh, <laughs> it's the benefit of having kids, right? <laughs> So I want to bring up one point with that, though, when we're talking about social media and everything, because, you know, we're over here. I'm out in Ohio is also, you know, for everyone to just be true to yourselves and know your market. You got to know your market. I can yeah. tell you right now, my number's not necessarily on Instagram. You know, we're doing dabbling there, but that's not where we're placing our focus um, for our membership and, and where we need to grow. And, you know, um, especially if you don't have all the resources, that's the other side of this. You know, everyone's coming out of COVID. Resources are definitely uh, far and few between so it's mm -hmm. kind of like trying to keep it simple too, because I think you can do simple things on Facebook without spending a lot of money. I mean, if you got some nice content going, like going back to Matt and your stories, I think it really does uh, travel far. And maybe you didn't even spend a dime. Maybe you're just sharing something, Facebook Live, and that would help. So we got to remember too that, you know, um, I think what everyone needs to remember is take everything like you guys are saying and then bring it back home. And then what can you do? And yeah, I think Rich, you mentioned something before, like keep it basic, keep it simple. Even if it's all you could do right now is clean. Maybe that's one thing you're gonna put on social media is your staff just cleaning and it could be that simple. Yeah, you know? and but if I, you I have think, more, give more. <laughs> yeah, Karen, I think you, you really hit the nail on the head. I, I do think with all the, the platforms that are available to us now, um, I've gotta be honest with you, we went back to basics, we called almost every one of our members uh, during, you know, when we were shut down, we reached out and called them. Now we use social media as well, but I will tell you the feedback that we got was so much more powerful from just those person to person connections on the phone. Mm -hmm. Even if it, we couldn't answer a question, the, the, the response was, thank you so much for calling. And that sticks. And I think sometimes we get away from the personal touch that, uh, because we're so we're reported so much on social media, is you're you're absolutely right. Know your customers. If you don't know your customers, then you're going to have to shotgun. And if you shotgun, you better be able to look at those metrics and figure out what's working, and then put your resources into those things that are working. But there's nothing wrong with going back to basics and reaching out and touching people. I think that that's critically important. Well, and even just responding on social media, right? When somebody shares. Yeah. you know, a personal accomplishment or a goal that they hit, you know, making sure that the brand is, is communicating with them. Like, I think that's where people, a lot of brands, uh, you know, go wrong a little bit is that they use it as a platform to talk at people versus with people. Yes. And so I do think, you know, if you are using social media, that's just a critical, a critical piece of it. I mean, we, we use a lot of user generated content. So it's, like I said, you know, bringing the brand to life for our members and our members are already posting about sort of their transformation story or something that, you know, that has really worked for them and they, or that they love about our gym or about a team member. And then we'll take that, we'll reach out to them and say, hey, do you mind if we use this next Tuesday? And we'll highlight that, that coach or even right. that member for losing, you know, a certain amount of weight. And I mean, they love it because then people in their club see it, they congratulate them. I mean, I always congratulate them. They have no idea who I am, but I'm always like liking their, their comments, but you know, people recognize them and 
and it starts this whole really positive chain of of comments. So, it, it, if if I could, Karen, I'm going to flip the script just for a second here with the panel and say, you know, let's not uh, let's not forget issues and challenges that uh, our members are having. Also, by that I mean, you know, 94% of disloyalty is created because a member or somebody has to go to more than one person to get a, an answer, 94%. So we have to, I think, really take a look at how are we gonna empower our associates, our staff to address those issues, especially nowadays. Nobody wants just a lot of dribble. Nobody wants to be you know, led by the nose through three or four different ways to solve a problem. So communicating and get, empowering our people to answer questions and getting resolution even if those people have to go to another source to get the answer, that person is still the point person that's going to get back to them. And I think, you know, if we're trying to create raving fans, we also have to mitigate disloyalty. You know, how, how, are, we, how are we stopping the bleeding? How are we stopping disloyalty? And it always struck me that that was a very basic, simple thing to do that impacts 94% of why people will leave your brand is they've had to go to more than one person to get an issue resolved doesn't matter what the issue is. It doesn't matter how complicated, it doesn't matter how simple. So I think we, that's, that's flipping that a little bit saying, okay, we're reaching out, we're communicating with people, but if they have an issue, we have to also be prepared to create that loyalty through a single point of contact and a single solution for them as quickly as we can. Yeah, Rich, I think you're 100% spot on because we do, um, so in our new employer orientations, we always teach purpose, not policy. Like at the end of the day, you just do the right thing for people. Yeah. And I think you've got to give that empowerment to your teams. You know, we, we give our teams a lot of freedoms. They have obligations that have to go with them. But, you know, any person on our team could give away a free year membership to make someone happy and they don't have to ever ask for it. They just do it. Do whatever it takes to make that person happy. If you make a mistake, we're going to learn from it. And right. I think that goes back to... Katie or Mindy might have said it. It's that whole trust factor. Like you got to trust your staff that they're not going to abuse the freedoms, but you got to give them the tools and you got to just say, look, you get full access. You get to choose and do what you want to do. Just, you know, follow our purpose and our, our values. Right. And aren't, aren't we finding, aren't we finding in our brands that because of the stresses that our members and associates are, are feeling now that some of those issues are the littlest things. There's just the smallest things, and yet they're, they're tiny to us, but they're a big deal to them. So, you know, from that perspective, gosh, it should be easy for us to have a single point of contact handling that. But we can't, uh, I think, you know, look the other way when it comes to that, especially now. I think there's an opportunity, again, from bad comes good. Um, there's an opportunity to turn those into wins for us as, as an industry and certainly in our uh, individual brands to really make an impact by addressing those and rising above even the, the littlest things. Totally, yeah. totally agree. I think we're at a really unique point as an industry right now. We're kind of at this crossroads of the world needing fitness as healthcare, physical and mental healthcare, and really needing personal connection and craving personal connection. So we have the opportunity as an industry to capitalize on both of those. And the key there is to train teams effectively to track and analyze, analyze and manage the entire member experience from the tiniest thing. We are all so reactive to your point, Rich. Like life is hard. The smallest thing can get blown so out of proportion because we're all heightened. We're in a heightened state of, you know, a little bit in kind of a PTSD mode. Um, at this point. So, uh, you know, just training the team to, be, to have that consideration, to have that high level of, of empathy and really train empathetic leaders to identify those opportunities to connect will um, drive loyalty for the long haul for, for fitness brands today. So guys, we're going to um, get to wrapping this up. So I have a question for you. If you could just tell them like one thing that they could do right now to start creating raving fans. What to you, from your perspective, would that be one thing if they could do it now to go ahead and do it? Maybe we'll start with Mindy. Sure. Um, I would say just communicate consistently in every channel um, and just make sure that whatever the experience is and, you know, my, my, my um, 
uh, recommendation would be to just be authentic to your brands. And it sounds like everybody in this panel thinks that's really important and just knowing who you are, you know, and, and putting that out there. But any experience that you put out into the world, make sure it matches the experience in your clubs. And so what's worked really well for, for Vasa and for me personally, um, is just a strong partnership with our COO and making sure that, you know, the brand and the oper operations team um, are connected and that we have a strong partnership. We listen to each other and we communicate often um, because I think that's been part of the key to our success um, in creating not only raving team members, but also, you know, raving fans of the brand that are our members um, because we, we feel and look connected and we are when, when we're talking to the, to the teams and the members, we're saying the same things. Mark? Uh, well, that's tough to follow. She did a great job. Um, my, I, and I wrote it down here. Um, talk to them, ask them questions, listen, learn, open your heart and open your minds. I think that's what we need to do. Good. Rich? I'm going to go back to square one. Um, create a camera ready environment. Um, immaculately clean clubs show that sign of respect, show them that we know how to handle our business, give them the confidence and comfort that we are safe and sanitary. I don't think you could ever go wrong with that. Um, and I think if any club can do that starting today as the one thing that can make an impact for their members and their associates. Matt? Mindy crushed it with my consistent note that I had written down here. <laughs> Um, so of course I decided that I'll throw something else out there. Um, communication was the other really big thing that I think we had hit. Um, but I'm just going to say to everybody is make every single one of your members, past members, potential members, your team, your community feel special. Whatever that means to you in your organization, there's not one person in this world that if I said to Karen, I said, Karen, you're, you're just amazing. You did such a great job moderating this. Karen's going to feel good, you know, to every single person in the room. It felt great. This was a phenomenal panel. Like people like to be made to feel special. So do everything that you can. I don't care if you're, you know, 40 plus clubs in Mindy shoes, or if you're one club, whatever it might be, you can make people feel special. Even with the smallest gesture, kindness costs $0. That's great. Good. Katie, have one thing to share with us. I, I do. So I love what you said, Matt. I think the key to treating everybody, you know, with kindness and making them feel special is to listen relentlessly. Members, to associates, learn, iterate in order to innovate. And finally, just like Mindy said, do what you say you're going to do. Accountability, with, when, when expectation meets reality for folks, that is a that is an absolutely loyal experience in the making. And, um, you know, so many of the comments that we're seeing come through, you know, from, from fitness consumers now really focuses on, I thought this was gonna happen and it didn't. So just strive every day to live up to the, the communications that you've put out and the, the message that you've already, you know, distributed and be willing to adjust as well. You know, be willing to listen and make changes on the fly as well. Thank you guys so much. That was the things. Thank you. <laughs> uh, perfect. Um, thank you panelists so much for such a amazing discussion surrounding uh, creating raving fans. Um, and then attendees, please be sure to join us on the live Q&A tab in a few minutes to ask all of your questions to our roundtable panelists.